You're listening to sermon audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. It is so good to be with you. I'll tell you a little bit about myself here in a moment, but yesterday was the one year, as you saw in the video, of the overturning of Roe v. Wade. And don't kid yourself, that right now, it wasn't an end that, that amped a battle that's continuing on. Um, I believe that there's no greater time for the church to be the church. If you're around me for any amount of time, you'll hear me say it. There's nothing like the church when the church is being the church. There's nothing like it. If you believe that, say amen. My name's Alan Bixler. I have my beautiful wife. I call her the better half. Uh, Heather, we've been married almost 30 years. And uh, we are, I, I'm the executive director of Compact. Compact stands for Compassionate Action. It's been doing this 24-7 for almost 79 years, reaching the vulnerable children and families in America, uh, particularly most of that time in Arkansas. But God is opening up some amazing doors. We have a child-placing agency license in Missouri now. We just got approved. I literally got a letter yesterday, uh, Lance and I. Lance, I get to work with Lance Nelson. Uh, Lance is my foster care director. And... We just got approval in Oklahoma to be a child placing agency there. That's moving forward. We're working with Ohio, Indiana. We're working in Florida. Uh, God is opening the doors to expand foster care across this nation. There's about 400,000, as you saw in the video, kids. And kids in foster care, but every single case, foster care case, is attached to a broken family. So foster care is a result of broken families. Compact is trying to move upstream in its services of compassionate action. We, we understand, uh, again, in, in the scriptures about faith, and, and we're going to talk about faith and faithfulness today, but compassion without action just doesn't work. And so we, Compact is compassionate action, and it mo- works on multiple fronts. But what's amazing about this church is you were the first partner with us in our foster care program, beyond residential into our foster care program. So Gospel Light holds a special place for Compact. You, you all are awesome. Could you give yourselves a hand? <laughs> we, we have uh, families here, and, and many of you know of them, and, and in the wraparound care and the care of just supporting those families, and, and we are so thankful for that. Uh, we have a booth out in the foyer, and I'd, I'd encourage you to maybe check that out. My wife will be out there. I'll be out there uh, after service. Um, your move. It's your move. Uh, there's a whole lot to this. There's a QR code in the middle of the, of the uh, your and uh, of the O, and if maybe foster care is something that would interest you, check it out. See what it is. Not everybody's going to be foster care parents, but the truth is, is everybody can do something. Everybody can support. Everybody has a part in being a solution to some great need, some, some great children, some really great opportunity for the church to be the church. So I'm excited to be here with you today. Next level love. Next level. Pastor, I, I, I've got to get to know him, uh, past a few conversations with him, and, and it's been in the series Next Level. And I'm going to talk to you today about just a next level love and how it bridges the gap. Next level love, how it bridges the gap. I want you to think for a moment how you got here this morning. Now, for some of you, maybe you live a little bit close, and this may or may not apply, but you travel any amount of time or any distance, and it does, 
Think about how many bridges you crossed to get here. Things that spanned a gap. Things that caused you to be able to get from a place that you couldn't get unless that bridge was there. Now, nobody gets excited about halfway completed bridges, right? You don't go, whew, I love the first half of that bridge, but the second half, oh, that one's kind of rough. <laughs> what good is a bridge if it doesn't span all the way? Well, we're going to talk about that in a physical sense. We're going to talk about that also in a spiritual sense today. Uh, next level love, I believe, bridges the gap, and there's a whole lot of gaps. We have a world that needs Jesus. Do you understand? And God wants to use his church. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that includes you. You're the church. He wants to use you. If you're not a follower of Christ here today, the assumption is oftentimes that people that go to church are Christians, but sometimes people are just checking God out. They're just trying to figure this out. They were invited by somebody. They haven't, they haven't gone to that point of a relationship with him. They're still trying to figure it out. If that's you, you're in the right place at the right time. God wants to speak to you, but he wants to speak I believe, to every single one of us. See, it's crucial that we connect our faith and our love from the past, what God's done in our lives, to faithfulness for the future. And I believe God wants to use his church. There's some great opportunities out out there. And it goes beyond the the overturning of a a legal decision of Roe v. Wade. Uh, God's got more than us to just be about pro-birth. He he wants us to be about pro-life and in that, He wants to bridge the gap with his message and the power and the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you believe that, let me hear you say amen. All right, you're awake. This crowd, this time, you've had coffee and now you have Jesus. Those two are winning combinations, I got to tell you. See, we're not only to build bridges by our faith in Jesus in our communities, we're we're to be bridges of faith in our communities and ultimately the world. So that's where I'm going to lead us today. Jesus, he shows us this by example. How many understand that grace and mercy are pretty awesome? You ever have a conversation with somebody, and, and maybe it's a conversation about Jesus, uh, maybe it's a conversation about how bad they were, how bad you are, the decisions you've made, the consequences you live in, and, and in, inevitably you say, I don't deserve forgiveness. I don't deserve something good. I I don't deserve, because of who I, Jesus brings in grace and mercy. And and I've heard people, I've been a pastor for over 30 years. I've heard people say, you know, I I want what Jesus has to offer. I just don't deserve it. And I'm like, me too. And sometimes they're like, oh, no, no, no. You're, I mean, I get it. You have problems. No, but really I've done some things that, oh, you need grace and mercy, and that's what Jesus offers, guess what? That's the message we have to share. That's the communication piece. That's the missing piece to completing a bridge. This next level, that's what I want to talk to you about, and Jesus is our example of that. Think of uh, some of the construction zones that you, you drive past. Like the, there, There's the one that where you turn back to go towards Little Rock. You know That's been there for like 45 years. You know, And then... And then some of the, the, the workings that that bypass that will ultimately collect, uh, connect Hot Springs Village. And, and, you know, okay, don't think about those. But think about, now you think about a bridge, something that, like big bridge, something that's going to expand. It's got to connect. It's got to 
It's got to connect. If you came across Lake Hamilton today to get here, you're, you're thankful that that bridge connected, right? But think about when a bridge is being built, all the people, all the busyness that goes into it. I mean, you have, you have a bunch of people working on different areas, all kinds of activity. You have people looking through transits at one point, just trying to take the measurements. You have people writing things down, assessing, calculating materials needed how those materials will come together, the forms, the braces, uh, clearing the way for obstructions. I mean, all these things are going on, and communication is key for this thing to span the distance, to connect. There's people using all kinds of tools for all kinds of different jobs. There's people standing around watching others doing all the work. (laughs) Kind of sounds like a church sometimes, right? It's a whole lot of busyness, a whole lot of things going on. And, I mean, you got people doing this and that and this and that and this. And, and people sitting there going, man, I, I would jump in, but, man, I'm glad you're doing it. That's great. I don't have time. I, I get it. There's a whole lot of activity that goes into spanning something to the next level, to connect something that gets people from where they're at to where they need to be. Foster care does that. Foster parents step in and they span that gap and, Many times foster kids go, go back home and, and spanning that gap is critical and being light in a difficult, dark situation is, is, is crucial. And so we get it at multiple levels in our life. Could you imagine building a bridge, something so significant that it's connecting, uh, connecting across a chasm and no communications going on? It just goes silent. Nobody's talking to anybody else about what they're doing or what's on their heart or what's part of their duties. And could you imagine that happening? Well, I wouldn't want to drive across that bridge if it ever even got completed. I think sometimes in the spiritual, this goes on, communication is key. God God moving in our lives and God wanting to use our lives. The story talks about how vital communication is, how life-giving communication is. I love the story, Captain Eugene Red McDaniel. Called him Red, Captain Red. He was part of the Vietnam era. He was a Navy pilot shot down in North Vietnam. He tells of how he was captured and held prisoner of war for six years. He writes it in his book, Scars and Stripes. He describes the desperate need of prisoners to communicate to one another to maintain morale. He says POWs tended to die much sooner if they couldn't communicate. It's pretty powerful. On, on many occasions, Captain McDaniel endured torture rather than give up his attempts to stay in touch with other prisoners, especially when he was in solitary confinement. I've never been a prisoner. I've seen shows. I've seen different things of what it's like. Maybe you've been in prison or you've been in jail. and I imagine it's pretty bad. I imagine that being a POW for six years in a foreign camp, jail, prison is extreme levels of bad. Some of you maybe can relate with that in some of your stories. But here he is saying vital is communication. He says prisoners would risk death to work out complicated communication systems where they would write under plates, cough, sing, tap on walls, laugh, scratch or flap laundry a certain number of times to transmit a letter of the alphabet. He says, Captain, it says, Captain McDaniels writes, one thing I knew 
I had to have communications with my own people here in this camp. There were people like myself who wanted to live through this if at all possible. Communication with each other was what the North Vietnamese captors took the greatest pains to prevent. He said they knew as well as I and others did that a man could stand more pain if he is linked with others of his own kind in that suffering. The lone, isolated being becomes weak and vulnerable. I knew I had to make contact no matter what the cost because he knew that for those, those brave men, it was communicate or die. Communicate or die. I think there's an element of this that crosses over a spiritual principle that the church, you and I, followers of Christ, have to understand that there is, there is an element of communicator. This world dies. There is an element of communicate with your heavenly Father or you don't have a chance with what this world brings. The church is to take its faith and its love and convert it to faithfulness. It must bridge the gap in its communication. What we communicate, how we communicate, that's what I want to talk to you about today because it will mean next level love in a way it communicates again or this world dies. Uh, John Maxwell, he's, he's someone that I've followed over the years. He was a, a pastor. He's a leader. He's a coach. He's a consultant. He's a motivational speaker. He said this. He says that educators take something simple and make it complicated. Communicators take something complicated and make it simple. It always stuck with me. If you're an educator, this isn't a slam on you. Some of your teachers are like, I don't like this guy. No. I think Christians sometimes take something very simple and make it complicated. I think we take the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ and we just complicate it. Because we're trying to educate somebody on Jesus when in reality, I think the Lord has called his followers to just show what he's done in their own lives. Speak what he's done in your own life. That power. Let's talk about that today. Many people make this gospel complicated. And at the end of the day, the job that we have as Christians is to not just follow Christ, but to communicate what Christ has done in us. I want, let me read the Great Commission. Uh, what Jesus says to his disciples, what he he pictures what he, he premises to them, the importance of staying close to him and the promise that he'll be, he'll be with them always. He says, uh, he came to them and he said to them, it says, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That's pretty, that's pretty powerful right there. All authority in heaven and in earth. I don't know anybody at that caliber, but Jesus, he says, go therefore, so based on that, Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, all that I've given to you, all that I've shown you. Teach them that. He says, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. I love how Jesus doesn't just tell us what we need to do. He tells us what we need to do, and hey, by the way, I'll be there with you. So if you're feeling alone, if you're feeling like maybe the mission that God's put in your heart or the condition of the circumstance that you're walking in or living through and you're feeling alone, it could be that your eyes are more on the problem than on the solution. Your eyes are more on the situation than the Savior who's promised he'll never leave you or forsake you. That changes things. It changes things for me, and I know it'll change things for you. Jesus, he, he's getting his heart 
to his followers, this bridge I believe he calls his followers to. It's next level, and it's based in love and communication. We're to bridge the gap. We must understand the gospel communicates two ways. It communicates to you, and it communicates through you. we got to be careful that we not take the gospel and we try to communicate it to others before we allow it to touch us. I had a mentor in my life years ago. He said, Alan, you doing okay? I said, you know, I'm just kind of, you know, I love the Lord. I'm just, things are kind of dry. Some of you may relate with that today. I I just feel like, he goes, are you spending time in the Word? I said, yeah, I I probably could, probably could spend more time in, in the Word. I just, you know, I get busy and everything. He goes, you get in the Word, it'll get into you. And it always stuck with me. I think it was Charles Spurgeon was asked, What's more important, prayer or reading the Bible? He says, well, what's more important, breathing in or breathing out? I think what Jesus wants us to understand as his followers is based on his authority. He's been given all authority in heaven and in earth. So the power, the authority, is not anything that's going to lack. The one who's called us has the goods. And he's called us to go into all the world. He's called us to communicate, to bridge a gap. And he says, hey, I'll be with you. I'll be with you. But you got to go. That's really a lot of the precedent and the premise of what we're calling your move. Your move. It's your move. I think sometimes we forget as the church, as the body of Christ, we have choices. And sometimes we make good ones and sometimes we don't make so so good choices it, that, that play out. Uh, again, I told you I've pastored for many years. and You ever pray the prayer, God, use my life? You ever pray that? Anybody ever pray that? Some of you are like, oh, that's a good prayer. I'm going to pray that. No. Have people come up, you know, God, use me. Use me. And about a few days, weeks, months down the road, you start feeling used. <laughs> You're like, wait, God... I asked you to use me, and now I feel used, right? The truth is, God will use your life. And you will spend yourself beyond what you can handle or bear if you try to do it without him. If you try to keep doing it in your own strength. See, what he calls us to, I think, is so far beyond what we can do on our own. You know, when I was younger, I could do things maybe a little longer. But the older I get, I'm finding my limits Hit me a lot quicker. Maybe you're like that. I don't get up as fast. I make noises when I get up. <clears throat> Those things I used to make fun of my parents for, I'm, I'm that. I'm a granddad. Coolest thing ever. Any grandparents here? Like I was that person. Why are grandparents so crazy over their grandkids? Yeah, I'm one of those. Like, like there's nothing like it. And the older I get, there's things that I've got to remind myself of. But when you get into the spiritual aspect of walking with Jesus, you better remind yourself that you've got to keep your eyes on him. He's the author and perfecter of our faith. He's the one that will get us through. He's the one. Yes, he'll call you to tough times, but he's going to be right there in it with you. Right there. So we've got to communicate. He wants to communicate through you first. It's got to get to you. Let me talk about next level love of the gospel and how it communicates. 
Let me, let me give you, number one, the gospel communicates hope. The gospel, it communicates hope. If you're a follower of Christ, you have hope. You have hope. I don't care how bad the situation is that you've come through, you're in, or you're looking towards, you have hope with Jesus on your side. Amen? You have that. The gospel communicates hope to you and through you. Whoever has the hope, you can write this down, has the power. Whoever has the hope has the power. You now have something the world doesn't. You now have something the world doesn't. If you're a Christian, that doesn't mean you're not going to go through hard times. That doesn't mean you're not going to have some valleys. That doesn't mean you're not going to go through some situations where you, you go, God, I, I, this sure looks like the valley of the shadow of death. I mean, you read the 23rd Psalm, and it's got some rough places, but there's got this, this little place, but the shepherd never leaves you. I can't go back in my life and point to a time where Jesus left me. I can point to times where maybe I thought I was alone, but I can also dial in those times and go, you know what? It was those feelings that would come up when I'm focused more on my problem than who's with me. I'm focused more on what's happening to me than what God could actually do with me in this situation. So the gospel communicates hope. It brings me back to that. It brings you back to that. You ever tried to trade for something that you didn't have, like, something to trade for? Like, when I was a kid, you would trade ball cards sometimes. I'd trade this card, this card, and and invariably somebody would have something that I, I really wanted that one, but I didn't have enough to give for that one. Well, the thing is, is as we get older, that doesn't change. Sometimes You ever look at somebody's life? Let's just be honest. We look at somebody's life and we go, God, I wish I had their life. Kind of wish I had their job. That's just me? Okay. That's awkward. All right. I kind of wish, wish I had their boat, their house. Wish I had, wish I had their family. My family's messed up. I wish I had their family, right? And we look at that, we kind of want to trade places. Kind of envy, jealousy. I mean, all that, that's all different. That's, that's all other next level stuff. We'll let pastor do that. We want to trade. We want to, we want to go there. And the, the truth is, is somebody maybe you admire, you really would like their life. What you have to consider is in order to have what they've had, you would have had to have walked in their shoes. What's it like to walk in their shoes? I, I don't know, but some people, when I hear their story, I'm like, whoa, that's why you got to where you're at. You've, you've been through some stuff. You've been through some things. I, I love being around people who've been through some stuff. They know how to get others through theirs. I love foster kids. I love talking to our kids on campus. Um, I, I get talking to them, and I just, I know the stats on foster kids. I know how bad it is, but I also know Jesus and what he can do. So I want to get Jesus in front of these kids. I had the opportunity to uh, speak with, he was Judge Daryl Missy. That was his name. You can look him up. Uh, he, he was a, a family court judge in Missouri. He's now the head of the Missouri Division of Children. He moved over. The state said, we really need you to help us reform some things. We'll give you your whole judge's pension 
to go over if you'll take that over. Well, then he, he does such a great job. They wanted him to be on the Supreme Court in Missouri. And he said, no, I believe the children's division's a higher calling. I'm talking to him, he's a Baptist brother, and he said, he goes, I've seen everything. If you know anything about the court system, a family court judge has seen it all. I say they've seen the good, the bad, the ugly. They've pretty much seen the bad and the ugly because it's made it to their courtroom. And he said, very little change do I see in people, but I have seen people change. But the only lasting change I've ever seen is Jesus Christ. He said, that's it. It's the only lasting change I've ever seen is Jesus Christ. I think he's right. I think he's right. For all the things you could hope for, all the places you would like to trade for, for all the, the only change that will ever make a lasting difference in someone's life is Jesus Christ. And we, as Christ followers, have that hope, church. We have that hope. Michelangelo, he was asked, you know, I just wish I could be, you know, as masterful as you and, and as wonderful as you. And he was quoted as saying, if people knew how hard I worked to get my mastery, it wouldn't seem so wonderful. I think sometimes when we look at people's lives, again, we don't see what they went through. Heroes of the faith. We don't see what they went through to get there. We don't see the struggles. We don't see the stuff. But the truth is that Jesus never left them or forsake them. And the same is true for you. He'll never leave you and he'll never forsake you. And in that, you can have hope. Secondly, the gospel communicates hope and it communicates reality. It communicates, the gospel communicates reality. I've learned a long time ago, people want something real. They want something real. They want something fake. They want something real. And sometimes real is scary because real's not real pretty sometimes. When you peel back and you look at leaders and you look at, at some of the heroes of the, the faith that, you, that you, you hold dear and maybe at a higher capacity than you should, what happens is you realize at the end of the day they're human and they need Jesus just as much as you do. And the reality is, is the world is going, I want what you've got, but I just, I want to make sure that what you got is better than what I got. I want to make sure that what you have is going to lead me to a better place than where I'm headed right now. And the truth is, is if we as representatives, as followers of Jesus Christ, have our eyes on our problems, our situations, our ideas, or someone else's life, we don't have our eyes on our Savior. We might not bridge the gap in our communication. We've got to be careful of that. The gospel communicates reality, and the reality of the gospel, you can write this down, is what people want. And the reality of the gospel is powerful. It's life-changing. It's time-tested. They want to know if this truly makes a difference. It does. This reality is communicated to you and through you. To you by faith, through you by faithfulness. I've said this many times over the years to people. You can't be faithful with what you don't have. You can only be faithful with what God's given you. You say, if God would give me more, whatever that is, could be financial, could be an opportunity, could be relational. If God would give me more, then I would. No, we can't do that. The reality is you can be only faithful with what God's given you. So our faith has to turn into faithfulness. The world doesn't always like reality, just like I think some of us, we don't like reality. Reality is this. There is a heaven and a hell. There is a heaven and there is a hell. 
That's a reality. If we, buy, if we dial it back a little bit further, say this with me. There is a God. I mean like you mean it. There is a God. I am not him. <laughs> you say, no, I get that. I think we probably all get that at some level, but sometimes we forget that. Because we act like maybe we have a more authority than the one who has all authority in heaven and in earth. Like, I'm owed this, God. Like, you should come through the way I think you, and we gotta be careful because the reality is there is a God and I'm not him, and there is a heaven and there is a hell, and God wants to use our life if we'll let him. The reality is there is people who don't have the hope and don't know the consequences of not having that hope in Jesus Christ. And he wants to use you, the church. Reality is, is there are Christians who live like there's so much time there's so much time. We said in, in this campaign, it's your move. Again, it's not just about foster care. It's about being the Christian. It's about next level communication to close the gap, to be Jesus in hard situations. You know, there was a time, uh, all through Scripture, where God's people, they served him, they didn't serve him. They, they turned toward him, they turned away from him. They, he, he, he could bless them, but then he, he would curse them. There would be judgment and Time and time again, there was one of such times. The prophet Jeremiah is coming. The Lord is downloading information to him. He's speaking. He's the, a, a mouthpiece. And the children of Israel, Jerusalem, they're not listening. They've closed their ears. There's a, there's a pushing away from the things of God. And he, he gives us a glimpse into it, Jeremiah 6.10. He says, To whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear? Behold, their ears are uncircumcised. They cannot listen. In other words, their ears were to the point they weren't marked. They weren't set apart for God. They weren't any different than the world. They, he says, Behold, the word of the Lord is to them an object of scorn. They take no pleasure in it. But the word of God just became something that it was just a bunch of rules. It was just a, it, it causes me to miss out on life. If you're looking at the Word of God or the things of God or following Jesus as something that might cause you to miss out and that's your struggle, I don't, I'm not sure if I want to go all in yet. I don't want to be a hypocrite. I just don't want... Can I tell you, you have your eyes on the wrong thing. The reality is your eyes are focused to something other than Jesus. When I focus on Jesus, all of a sudden, everything else just kind of fades away. And that's not just a cliche. That's not just uh, words. That's a reality. His word is life, amen? His ways uh, lead me in truth. His ways are blessed. If I obey him, I'm blessed. You say, well, I've tried that, and I went through hard times. We've all gone through hard times. You'll continue to go through hard times, but praise God, he'll be there with you. Even if it is the valley of the shadow of death. His rod, his staff, they comfort us. We know that from Scripture. I believe sometimes people don't hear the message. They don't understand. We don't bridge the gap. We don't connect it. We don't cross the chasm. Often because there's no bridge built to communicate to them. We're waiting for them to come to us. They'll just come to church. It may be true. Um, but what if they don't come to church? What if somebody doesn't come to church? How are they going to be reached? God wants to use your life. 
unless you just stay at home and you go to church and then you go back home. If you're ever at a restaurant, what an opportunity to talk to somebody. One time, my wife and I, we were, we were in a, uh, it was a, I guess it was a Chinese buffet. It was, uh, they had all kinds of stuff. And we were sitting there, and we had been there a few times, and our waitress came up, and she goes, oh, hi, you know, had a thick accent. And I said, hey, we're, we're getting ready to pray. Um, we knew her name, and I said, hey, we're getting ready to pray. Is there anything we could pray with you about? And she goes, uh, yeah. And she named off like three things. And she goes, okay. And she folded her hands. And just stood there, and I'm like, oh, we're doing this right now. Okay. I mean, I was thinking, you know, I'll let you walk away, and then we'll pray for it, and I'll tell her that we prayed for it. You know, I'm trying to just kind of ease it in. Oh, man, she was just all about it. Sometimes I think we, we answer for people when we shouldn't, or we assume that nobody wants to hear what we have to say. We assume that they only want a bridge built halfway. They don't want it all the way. And I think there's opportunities, church, but we can't. Find those, see those, understand those, looking here and there and everywhere. We've got to look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. If you believe that, say amen. Okay, four of you. All right, that's wonderful. Now, the gospel has to communicate hope. It has to communicate reality. The gospel communicates love. The gospel communicates love. The gospel is simply the good news. Everybody likes good news. I mean, think about it. You don't go, guys, I'm so excited. I, this is awesome. I've got some bad news. I mean, nobody does that. The gospel's good news to anybody. It's good news. Grace and mercy, that's good news. I mean, who doesn't need grace? Who doesn't need mercy? Just right there is good news. You say, I don't deserve it. That's why it's grace and mercy. Gospel communicates love. Love must get to you before it gets through you. It's got to get to you before it gets through you. How you look, how you think, how you judge, how you, how you categorize, how you divide things, how you process things, and have compassion on people is directly related to how the gospel is communicated to you and through you. I mean, that's a pretty amazing thought. This is something you and I control. You and I control this. This is that aspect where it's your move, it's my move, that I get out of my faithfulness what I put into it. What God wants to do through you, he wants to first do to you. He wants to get into your life. He wants to get into your being. He wants to encourage and strengthen you. The reality is is that he's right there. He's ready. He just wants you to make your move in him, through him, focused on him. Remember the story of the POWs and how they lived longer if they could just communicate? People literally die, I think, sometimes for lack of love. Christians die on the vine because they lose the vital communication of love to them and through them. I mean, imagine if Captain Red had approached this. You know what? I'm just going to do me. I'm just going to take care of me. I don't know how this is going to turn out. This is going to be bad, so I'm just going to put my head down and I'm just going to make things happen and I'm just going to, I'm just going to do it that way. He wouldn't have lived very long. He went six years. That's pretty, that's pretty long time. Severe, horrible circumstances. But he knew that it wasn't just about him. He knew that he had a, he had a cause and it was so much bigger than him 
It was to communicate with these other prisoners, and in that there was life and there was hope. I, I just wonder the spiritual precedent there. His, Jesus didn't save you to just save you. He saved you to use your life. He saved you to, to be a representative. He saved you to go into places, to not be alone because he's right there with you, to represent him well. That's, that's a love on a whole other level. That's next level love. People literally die, again, for lack of love. First John tells us God's love. First Corinthians 13, 4 and 8 tell us about love. It says love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices with truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Love's pretty powerful. You had an expectation when you came here today. You maybe realized it or you didn't. When you got up this morning, some people maybe were like, oh, it's, it's time for church. This is going to be great. For some of you, are like, oh, we got church today. For some of you, are like, oh, I love coming there because I, I, I'm fellowshipping. I, I get to see some friends. I, I'm encouraged. For some, it's just it's something you do. It's just part of the tradition. It's part of the habit. But you had an expectation. There's an expectation you know, was your expectation, you know what, I'm going to go right into the presence of God, where God's people are gathered, where there's a spirit of praise uh, going on, exalting his name. You know, I feel his presence, I feel better, and oftentimes that, that is a result. Uh, but you had an expectation. Tomorrow morning when you go to work, many of you go to work tomorrow, you have an expectation. Some of you may be retired, but you've got an expectation out of tomorrow. Is that expectation different than what your expectation is coming here as a follower of Christ, or should it be? I'm just asking a question. I mean, what about that crazy office personnel, people, place, thing you're going through? What if your expectation was, I'm just going to go there and experience the Lord's presence? You say, well, that would mess the place up. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to... I'm going to go there with an expectation looking for an opportunity to bridge some gaps, to allow the Lord to take me next level, hope, reality, love, to bridge some gaps that are there. And I'm not going to rely on somebody else to bridge it. I'm going to do it. I mean, could that change things? I think it could. You're not going to be able to do that on your own, though. You're going to have to focus on Jesus. He's never left you or forsaken you. And he's right there. And he'll empower you in it. I think we can only communicate our expectations. If we expect little, we'll produce little. If we expect excellence, we'll produce excellence. I, there's a lot of things going on in the world. I, I kind of watch the news a lot. And, and I just, I'm like, this world needs Jesus. God, this world needs what only you offer. God, I don't know how this is going to happen. It is so overwhelming, God. I work in one minuscule little space dealing with vulnerable people across uh, this, this chasm, 400,000 foster kids, and, and trying to move from state to state and expand this ministry. But God, there's a whole world here that needs you. And every spectrum of this, God, it needs you. That's overwhelming, God. 
The last thing I want to do is walk into this and go, oh, oh well. I mean, the one who's with me has all authority in heaven and in earth. The one who's with you has all authority in heaven and in earth. So the excuse to say, what could I do? You could do a lot. You've got the one you need right there with you. Jesus, he's speaking to his disciples, Matthew 24, about the end times. Matthew 24, 4 through 14, he says to them, he says, See that no one leads you astray, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. He says, You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. You, He says, See that you're not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. He says, For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth pains. He says, then they will deliver you up for tribulation, put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another, and many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. I mean, Jesus is laying out a pretty hard picture here to his disciples. He says, and because lawlessness will be increased, and I underlined this in my notes, the love of many will grow cold. That's a caution, I think, that we need to lean into. And when difficult times come, I'll finish the passage here in a moment. When difficult times come, those times that press us to question, those times that would may even press us to question, Lord, why? Why would you allow this? God, why would you? God, I just, we said it earlier, and I had you repeat it. There is a God, and I'm not him. And sometimes we walk through things that God just knows way more than we know. He understands way more than we understand. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His way is much different than ours. We know this from Scripture, and I just have to trust him. You just have to trust him. Because when difficult times come, we're prone to cast off love. And when that happens, there's a, there's a needed bridge that doesn't connect. He's called us to next level, church. The love of many will grow cold, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. I mean, this is reality. We have hope. I mean, we could get bogged down in that and go, whew, that's really bad. That's really glim. That's just, whew, that's why I don't watch the news. That's just, you know what? Whatever you put your mind to, whatever you put your focus in, make sure it's going through Jesus first. We have hope, but do we have love? I've I've found that the world isn't looking for the church for perfection, but they are looking to the church for honesty, for reality. I have people say, I'm not going to go to church. I don't want to be around a bunch of hypocrites. Okay. The truth is, all of us need a Savior, amen? Yeah. Not one of us are perfect. I, I find that when I put somebody on a pedestal, they, they become human pretty quick. We lift Jesus up in our communication, in our situations. I, I don't think we can go wrong. Christians struggle. You may be here today and you're struggling. You're struggling. You're probably in good company. Uh, maybe, maybe things are going great. God wants to use you. And even if you're struggling, God wants to use you. 
That's what's powerful about God because he doesn't use us because of our strength. He uses us because of our obedience. That's different. The gospel's been communicated, I believe, to you. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. You say, wow, I, I get that. It just seems so simple. But yeah, grace and mercy is pretty powerful, pretty simple. Jesus paid that, that price for you and for me. We say God is love, but do we truly understand that? Uh, this morning, I believe, expect God to reveal his heart to you and what you're going through and what you feel he's leading you in. I know we have students here and God will never fail you. God will never fail you. Maybe you've been struggling and you're just trying to figure out your life. Look to Jesus this morning. Don't look to the solution. Look to Jesus. Don't look to the problem. Don't try to figure out some solution over here or the problem is so big and I'm just trying to get around it. Just look to Jesus. In light of the the fact that God is love, I'm going to ask you to to let me do something with a scripture here. I'm going to take the word love out and I'm going to put the word God in. And I want to read the scripture that we read a few minutes ago in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. Verse 4 says, if we, if we take that word love out, put God in, God is patient. God is kind. God does not envy. God does not boast. God is not proud. God is not rude. God is not self-seeking. God is not easily angered. God keeps no record of wrongs. God does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. God always protects. God always trusts. God always hopes. God always perseveres. God never fails. That's pretty powerful. Maybe you're struggling. Maybe your idea is, I'm I'm not sure how that plays out for me in my life, what God wants to do, how God wants to use my life to communicate, to bridge the gap with maybe that family member, bridge that gap with that coworker, bridge that gap, how how I can speak truth and the gospel and the reality of hope and love. What What if we put your name or my name in that spot of the description of love in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8 in, in my case it would be Alan is patient oh my family would go no he's not <laughs> I mean nobody loves red lights right <laughs> Alan is patient Alan is kind put your name in there Alan does not envy. Alan does not boast. Alan is not proud. I mean, Alan is not rude. I mean, we need the Lord's help if we're going to live up to anything in this arena. I can't do this in my own power. I can't flip a switch, and neither can you. But Jesus, would you stand with me this morning? But Jesus. Here's what's wild is he's right there. The Bible tells us he's, he's right there. He's, he's standing at the door. He's knocking. If you'll just open it, I mean, he's knocking. He's never left you. He's never forsaken you. He's not there to just guilt trip you. He's not there to, he's there to walk with you, to guide you, to lead you. 
say, I don't deserve it. I don't either. Not one person in this place does. That's grace. That's mercy. That's Jesus. Amen? Let him communicate that to you, that he might communicate that through you. This area up front is open. We have some pastors and some elders that maybe would come and pray for you. Maybe you need prayer this morning. Maybe you just need to go. I'm tired of trying to do it on my own. That you would just move out. Almost as just an act of of faith and faithfulness. I'm moving from where I'm at to where I need to be. Maybe that's the, the biggest bridge that needs to be crossed right now. And that you just come to Jesus. So here's the thing. It's your move.